Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Kyle Thomas, who's the chief scientist at Motive Metrics, where his innovative work blends social and computer science with market research to harness AI for powerful customer insights, driving transformative marketing strategies with measurable ROI. He has a rich background. Um, you know, it goes across different things like experimental psychology to SaaS platform development. Thomas has a wealth of experience in leveraging AI to decode customer behavior and evaluate business growth. Welcome to the show today, Kyle. Thanks. Thrilled to be here. Super excited to have you on the show today. Um, what I would love to kind of kick this off with is if you could tell us a little bit about uh, you know, your background, what brought you to what you're doing today? Did you always know you'd be into technology and kind of this AI uh, field that we're in today? Or is this something that, you know, you you grew with? Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, I, I, I'd i love to say my journey was a very intentional one, but that's not so much the case. I've always been really curious in all kinds of stuff, including technology. My background, as you mentioned, I have a PhD in experimental psychology. And what's super interesting to me about what's happening in AI is a lot of the early AI research actually came out of cognitive science. So there was sort of sure. a dual stream of both on the engineering side with folks like Turing and, and what everyone knows. At the same time, there was a whole development where people were trying to understand, is this a good model for how the mind works? And like basically using cognitive science, not just to inform AI, but using sort of how you would build an intelligent system to inform how we understand the mind. So that's sort of where I come to it. Um, and I was not, I, I was actually on a path towards like a tenure track professor at a university in a psychology. Okay. And while I was a graduate student, this opportunity really just kind of came to me. And I've always been excited about technology. Um, I wasn't something I was thinking of necessarily building a career in, but then I did it side by side. So for most of my PhD, I was working full time for the company and doing my PhD, which I don't recommend. That's why it took me eight years to finish my PhD. But in the end, the opportunity was better. I like doing this work more than, you know, going back into academia. So this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Okay, I, I love it. That's a that's an awesome story. I actually started, uh, my background's in marketing, but I started teaching at university um, before kind of going in and working at companies and starting my own. But um, that's a fascinating story. I love the background. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what Motive Metrics is and what the, you know, what the big problems you're solving for customers are today. Yeah. So um, like many startups, and, and we'll get into it, I've seen some of your questions, they reference almost like previous eras of sort of where we were as a startup. Um, so what we do today, we have software, um, leverages AI. There's a lot more to it than that. As we'll talk about, you can't, there is no sort of simple AI solutions. I don't think for anything where it's end to end, where you need a whole lot of other pieces. Um, yeah. But essentially where we started was understanding um, people and consumer motivations. And where we ended up today is helping people maximize returns and paid search. So Google ads, Bing ads, so on. Um, and we ended up there somewhat by accident, uh, 
basically it was, we had this really rich motivational data and this is an area where that becomes very valuable. And so coming in, we actually didn't know a whole lot about search. We learned it along the way, um, but it was actually somewhat fortunate because by the time we entered this space, uh, it was right around when these systems were really evolving quickly um, in terms of their own AI integrations and sort of changing from the way that they used to work to the way that they work today, which is much more heavily reliant on AI and machine learning. And so it fit really well. So like we were already using um, natural language processing techniques and AI to understand people. And then, you know, in the applications today, we take that and, and I think of it as like, I went from a psychologist that studies people to a psychologist that studies Google. Um, and what links all okay. together is words. And we can get into a little bit about how rich the, the data is within words. Um, and that's really sort of what we use both for the people side. And as you might imagine, Google is full of words. That's sort of the, the engine that it really Yeah. Is. So. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. Let's go into a little bit about, you know, how rich the the data is and and kind of the the word element. Yeah, so, um, and it's interesting because depending on how you frame it, the data can be both rich and sparse, depending on sort of which side you're looking at it. Where we find it to be very rich is in understanding people. So what's super interesting, and I actually was skeptical of this early on, but the way that we use language in unconscious ways is like a fingerprint. And you can extract an incredible amount of information from the patterns in which you're using words. And it's not things like you might expect. Like when I first heard about this research, I thought, oh, you could tell if someone's depressed because they would talk about being sad or use like sad mm-hmm. words. It's nothing like that at all. It's like the frequency of first person pronouns that you use, like how much you talk about I versus you. And so that's sort of the first phase of the company. That's really what we were focusing on was using the data of how people use words to understand what are the sort of underlying motivations. Um, and you can do this through these trait measurements. We, we can get into it. Um, and so that's sort of the first big chunk. And then that data becomes very rich because it's, it's very, um, how do I want to put this? It's very dense what you can get out of it. So for example, you can extract from this. If I know, for example, that you're eco-conscious, I can make a lot of predictions off of that one piece of data, right? I would know the kinds of products you might buy. I would know the kinds of messaging that might resonate and so on. And then when you get into Google, there's an immense amount of data there. I mean, there's, you know, I don't know, quadrillions of words coming through kind of all the time. But for often given instances, especially if you have sort of smaller customer segments, often the data can be relatively sparse. Right, you might have a handful of of search terms or queries that are representing this group of people, right? Which you can think of as like a market segment, and that's yeah. where I think the two really complement each other well. Where these AI systems they work really well with a lot of data, right? And they they can work with little data, those sort of out of the box AI systems, but then they're just leveraging basically all the other data that they have, and so the result that you get is very general. And so if okay. not some sort of, if you want to speak to, for example, a specific customer segment where you don't have a ton of data, complementing the data that you have with this sort of psychological data, it helps you then customize the outputs of the AIs where otherwise you'd get fairly generic kind of boilerplate type messaging. Gotcha. Okay. Super, super fascinating. I mean, really, so it sounds like to me, motive metrics kind of focuses on understanding some of the non-conscious purchase motivations using AI. What I'd love to ask you about is, 
you know, how talk to us a little bit about AI's role in this. And then also, what are some like success stories uh, that you've had using this technology? Yeah. So um, the it, it's interesting because uh, it plays a whole bunch of different roles. Like I said, we started off using sort of machine learning and AI techniques to understand people. Now we use them to understand behavior that's going on inside of Google. We're using it to generate, obviously, content as well that sort of helps align with all of this. Um, and so it plays a number of different roles, both in the, I tend to think of it as like the understanding, which is a lot of that's like old school kind of NLP techniques integrated with AI for the understanding of what you're doing. And now with the sort of more recent revolutions over the last year and a half or so, the generative AI is also sort of caught up to where you can actually use it to, to produce and create the production. And, you know, we've been playing around with this stuff. I, going back to like 2015, we were trying to make generative models and the, the technology just wasn't there yet where you'd get, it, it was good, but you would get a lot of gibberish out where, you know, these, these more powerful models sort of give you a much richer end-to-end -end solution where we used to have like half of it. And then there's a lot of sort of what you'd have to supplement on the generative side. Okay. Super, super interesting. Um, so something I'd love to ask you about is, you know, in the context of AI, what advancements or trends have you seen in the market and kind of the advertising industry over the last, let's say, you know, 13 years that you've been at Motive Metrics? Yeah, so I, I think that there's, there, there's you know, the, the gorilla in the room, right? Obviously now people are using ChatGPT for marketing and, and so on. Um, that's, a, I, I think, a sort of obvious trend. I think there's a lot more that goes on under the hood, though, that people are not as aware of. And sort of writ large, all of the pieces combined, they're, again, I think of them like a scientist. It's like they're making more efficient markets in a way, that they're, they're doing much better sort of market making between the advertiser and the buyer. And like a really simple example is just targeted advertising, right? You, you see ads you know, that you actually care about, not the stuff that you don't care about. That's a very simple kind of implementation and that's where it started. But AI systems have really evolved to where they've gotten incredibly good at doing that kind of matchmaking. And so obviously there's the sort of like, it's used in like, you can use ChatGPT to help you develop marketing messaging. I think that's very, very obvious. What's less obvious is what's going on behind the hood, the systems that you're feeding into in a digital marketing environment they themselves have evolved immensely in terms of, you know, I often say Google evolved, you know, if you've ever worked in like Google ads or PPC people, especially if you worked in it 10 years ago, it looks like a keyword targeting system, right? You have keywords and, and it serves ads based on what people search based on those keywords. That's sort of been flipped on its head. Like you still have those in the account, but it's very clear that what the algorithms are doing is much more matchmaking advertiser to customer. And so um, it's using a lot more data than just what you literally type in the search bar. And we've done a bunch of experiments where you can get a, what seems like a totally unrelated ad if you just looked at what was in the search bar. But if you know all the other data that Google has, data, Google knows what you've been searching for the last two weeks. All of a sudden, that makes, makes a lot of sense. But you don't see that from the front end when you're looking in at like where the ad came from. And so where I where AI really fits in is in that matchmaking capability that's gotten much, much more sophisticated. And then on top of that, once you have a system like that, now advertisers basically, especially large scale advertisers, they need to be able to to understand 
thousands, hundreds of thousands of different marketing segments, right? So yeah. on from the like consulting eight segments of your market, sort of traditional marketing to you can really slice and dice it however you want. And then not only do you need to understand them, but then you actually need to create relevant and compelling communications that actually speak to those different segments. So like, how do you do that across 200,000 ad groups in a Google ads account, each of which, you know, there's definitely clusters within there, but they're quite, can be quite different, all of them. And, and so they all need something a little bit different. So fascinating. I'd love to, my, my question for you, like kind of based off of that. So obviously right now we have Google and knows a lot about you, your search history and all sorts of stuff. And so it can serve you ads. I mean, I was just thinking like, you know, let's say it sees you Googling for like a cast because you broke your foot and then it knows, okay, they bought a cast. So, you know, like four weeks later, they're going to get their cast off. and They're probably going to want like an ankle brace. So then they can like, you know, they can kind of like put stuff into a timeline and know what your, what products you're, where you're wanting in, in that very, like in that uh, world. My question to you though, like at what point do we get to where we don't need to go into Google AdWords and select keywords or anything? We just, because so Google's already doing the thing where you throw in your like link to your landing page and they make all your ads for you, right? So they just are like, oh, this is your landing page. We can tell what's on there. Here's your here's your ads that are going to convert the best. But like, at what point do we get to it where it's the same thing for targeting? Like they're going to automatically do the targeting. They're going to automatically make the, the keywords. Heck, at some point, uh, I mean, whether it's them or someone else, you get to a point where it's like, here's my a picture of my product. It builds the page for you. You take that page, put it into Google. It builds like the ads for you and then it builds that like at what point do you not have to do anything and then it becomes commoditized to really like whoever be, it, what what happens in this into like in this yeah it's when it's it's a good question it's certainly sort of the vector of the direction that that things are heading so google's loosened up the match types they they're sort of like about they've taken a lot of the control actually away from the advertiser and this is yeah one area where the site data is actually helpful because Google's the only one that can see that. And especially with cookie data going away, right? Like Facebook's already struggling without the cookie data. So you're really relying on like having your own data, right? It's like first party yeah, yeah. data. And that's where the, the the psychology becomes very supplementary. In terms of sort of where this goes, um, it, it's already moving in that direction. I, I will say our experience has always been that Google's marketing is way out in front of their actual capabilities. So like broad match used to not be good for keywords. They were too yeah. broad. Now they're they're quite good. Um, not in all cases though. Um, it certainly takes some input from users in order to actually make it match like the business offering. Like if you look at what Google tries to do, it's always, I mean, it's trying to get you to spend more money, right? It's always a bit out of your target market as it's trying to expand out. Um, so those capabilities are improving. That being said, you know, like I was saying that the, the the signal to noise that you get out of the way that words, that people use words, that people respond to words, that the words hang together, like in the way that we use them or respond to them, that data is so rich. I don't think that's ever going away. I, I think there's a it, there's a question maybe of how much Google might abstract that away from the user interface that you would deal with. But I don't think, if anything, I think it's going to rely like more, even more so on that, it's just, it may not be as obvious to you in the sense that you can sort of micromanage all the little details of like which specific search terms you show up for. Or yeah, yes. But okay, so I don't think it's going away um, anytime soon. Okay. Like people actually having to like set things up and do it. Google's going to help you, but it's not going to just do it for you. Like we haven't seen anything super effective like that. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm like the worst person to talk to about anything because I'm always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in 10 years, it'll do it, you know, so I'm like, uh, forgive me for that. But I have to ask what you're what you're thinking on this is, um, let's say eventually these AI models like really can do a lot of this stuff, right? Whether that's building your web page, creating your ad set, creating your targeting, like the AI models in now or a hundred years or a million years, like who it'll get done, right? And probably in like two or three, but in any case, it's going to get done. What are the, in your, like just picking your brain, what are the arbitrage opportunities for people? Two people, two people I want to, I would love to pick your brain about. Number one, new business is someone's launching a brand new business and they got to figure out like, What's I always talk about like growth hacks and like how you can that's kind of my thing. So like what are the arbitrage opportunities for new ones? And then for like current businesses, right? You mentioned cookies. So a site that, you know, gets like 100,000 visitors a month. It's got a solid business. Um, what What's the what are the opportunities in a, in a world that's for that's maybe moving towards everything being automated um, and being a little bit more commoditized? What are the arbitrage opportunities? Yeah, so and I like the word commoditized because that itself I think is is an important angle that anyone needs to think about. If if the messaging is commoditized because it's all automated, how do you stand out as a brand? How do you yeah. stand out as a company? And I I think that that really points to um, the direction I think all of this is going is the direction it tends to go in technology in general, which is it's not the case that we invented tractors and now we no longer have people that farm. It's not the case that, you know, we invented computers and we no longer have accounts, right? Instead, yeah, yeah. it abstracts away the parts that are, um, that machines are better at and it creates mm-hmm. more space for humans to do more of the things that they're better at. And so I think that where this goes is absolutely you will have a lot of change. I think it'll get rid of a lot of the grunt work a lot of the like tedious stuff of like managing a spreadsheet to actually implement something or whatever it is and actually yeah. allow uh, for the human inputs to to come in with much more leverage um, than you would have ever otherwise. So I don't think of it in terms of, or I wouldn't use the word arbitrage, but I'd use the term leverage, right? Where okay. one sort of creative person could manage a heck of a lot more, you know, you 10X what they're actually able to do but their their insights then become even more valuable. So like in the world you're talking about, what if keywords went away? Well, if keywords go away, the content becomes even more important, right? Yeah. And if all you're relying on is GPT-3 on its own out of the box, your content is commoditized. There's no way to stand out. And so the real challenge is how do you, you know, these systems are good. They're 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 really good. They're shockingly good. And I think yeah. somebody who's been in the space forever, I, I like. I think everyone was somewhat blown away at, at how good the transformation was. All of a sudden, that being said, they're still not brilliant. I mean, they're still not. They're they're creating. They're like excellent at a, like a five paragraph essay or sort of boilerplate stuff. They're not great at like real compelling stuff. And so I think the leverage, you know, the the greatest are going to have even more leverage, and the you know the interns maybe might not have a position anymore. Mm, interesting those lines and that's what we see okay. with technology right i mean most most digital technology especially it's like the most talented people just have 10x 100x leverage there's new jobs yeah. you created because now those create new pockets of opportunity but the old stuff of you know i mean the original computers were people that sat in a room and cranked out calculations by hand right that, yeah that doesn't exist anymore we get a computer to do that but now we can do things like model weather patterns which we never would have been able yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, I like that. Uh, and I think I'm a good example of that in a literal sense. Like I literally produce 10 times as much content as I could without AI. Like literally some I've done a day where I've posted 10 episodes because I used AI to help me come up with scripts for stuff. Yep. Um, not typically my uh, my cadence because that's insanity, but like I'm literally capable of doing more. So I, I do see that. Something I'd love to ask you about is, you know, um, I'd love to kind of discuss the integration of psychological trait data at TipTap Lab for behavior prediction. So how does AI facilitate this? What, you know, applications or projects have you worked on in this kind of context? Yeah, so the the so the real key in and I'll just let me say what trade data is because I think most people probably aren't familiar. So yeah, the the way that a psychologist define a trait is it's an enduring pattern of behavior or tendencies or whatever. So some people are more social, some people are more shy. That tends to be pretty consistent over time. And where the the AI modeling comes in is how you can get that information indirectly. So like I could grab your Twitter feed for instance. And like I was saying, the way that you put words together, right? The patterns in which you use words tell me a lot about, are you social? Are you eco-conscious? Do you care about quality or price or whatever it is, right? The, the, and so that's what we're measuring in terms of traits. And now, of course, you know, uh, social people aren't always social. Shy people aren't always shy. The, the context matters. But when you aggregate the data, so if you look at, hey, 20 people bought this thing, Right. And turns out they're all eco conscious. It's pretty easy to infer that that's a motivation behind the purchase itself. So when you're looking at patterns, like for an individual, I'd have a lot of complicated context that might modulate different sort of tendencies that I have at any given point in time. But if I look at a group of people, that all kind of shakes out. And that's how you can get from the trait measurement, which is what you get from the AI, to the motivational insight of, this is actually what's driving the decision-making. And so like, a, a, I have a real simple example that I, I love because it's just so concrete. And also it was somewhat dumbfounding to me. I, I think I'm too literal. I'm not, I'm not a natural marketer. You know, I'm like a scientist. Um, so with what, in one of our um, early tests of doing this, we were working with a company that sells like fruit baskets. Okay. And we did some analysis and we came back and we said, Hey, it, you know, one of the motivations here is these people are really fashion conscious. Like they like unique stuff and it's like fashionable, which was somewhat surprising to me. And so they changed the ad copy to, it was like the most fashionable fruit around, which to me, that doesn't even make sense. Like it, it sounds <laughs> like it, it's nonsense. Oh, I, I think it improved the performance by like three X or something. And so, and I like that example only because, you know, we've seen a lot of that. Some of it, it's more mundane and you're like, oh yeah, of course, if you focus on price, price sensitive people care. That one, it's my favorite example just because it's so bizarre where I'm like, that's not even a sentence you would think to ever put together unless you had that kind of an insight. That's hilarious and also amazing and also the most interesting concept I've ever heard of. And it's reminded me, I swear I saw like an article somewhere or something where it was like, chat gpt or open ai just based off of like what you type to it and i'm assuming it's not just open ai i'm assuming it's a lot of people based off of what you type yeah they can tell what your like uh what your income bracket is yep. what your yeah your like a lot of things about you that typically 
you had Facebook that would like go buy third party data all over the internet and then everything's kind of getting shut down and cookies are all getting shut down and targeting is getting difficult. Okay, well, if ChatGPT can literally tell, or I mean, I'm sure Google soon and everyone else soon can get all that information just off of like what you're posting online, which is yeah. fascinating. And that is, um, I will just say as a psychologist, that was one of the most shocking things I've ever discovered. Like, I didn't think it was true, but I, I remember reading about some of this research and I'm like, there's no way that's, that doesn't, that's not like a thing. And it, it's unbelievable because again, it's not the things that you think you're doing. And this is why we talked about it being unconscious. Like you couldn't control these things if you wanted to. I mean, it's the same, like, like FBI uses this type of sort of linguistic fingerprinting to tell like who the author of, of like a ransom note was they use it to tell yeah. who historical authors are it's literally like a fingerprint and and that comes through whether it's in google or facebook or whatever and, and that to me again was just such a mind-blowing it, it's bizarre that it's true and i say that coming from psychology i wonder how we mess that whole system up by using like a ghostwriter to write all of our tweets for us or uh <laughs> using chat gpt to write all of our uh, articles for us <laughs> and i think it's interesting like when people talk about like auto training right so chat gpt generates text and then chat gpt trains on it you know i'm over something yeah. right, obviously yeah yeah you know people often talk about how like it can get caught in loops or different problems but i always have this sense that it's going to become somewhat alien to us because it's not going to have these inputs of the unique fingerprints of humans all over it anymore. It's going to like be some weird derivative of that based on a derivative of that. And I, I, I have no idea where that would go, but it's something that I think about a lot when I hear about auto training. That's so fascinating. Okay. Um, Kyle, it has been incredible having you on the podcast today. As we wrap this up, I would love to ask you um, what is one of the most exciting game-changing AI applications that you think is yet to come in the field of marketing? Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. So I, in terms of like a complete earth-shattering difference, it's hard. Those are really hard to predict. But I will say one thing that that is super clear to us, which is none of this stuff works out of the box for any specific application. And I feel like and all the hype this gets lost. Like if you were running a Google ads account, I could imagine your boss comes to you and says, oh, now you have ChatGPT. Try and use ChatGPT to actually build out a Google ads account. It's a nightmare. And so I, I think it's less, and you're actually starting to see this with like OpenAI. I think it's less some massive new breakthrough as, and it's much more sort of the mundane building the architecture around these capabilities and stitching them together. So like the way that OpenAI just stitched together image generation and image comprehension with ChatGPT. So now I can see, draw, yeah, yeah. speak, right? And so that to me is the future. And I will just give you one parallel, which is what we know from, well, this is, I guess, might be somewhat controversial, but I think it's fairly well established is the way the human mind works, it's not a general intelligence engine. It's like a system of apps. You have a software app for for seeing, for what you eat, for who you cooperate with, for who you fight, for who your family is, for what you run away from. You you have all of these very specific software apps in your brain. And what makes you feel like you have this kind of general intelligence is that they're stitched together. And we're starting to see that now with AI systems stitched together. And, and in terms of marketing, I think the exact same will be true, where the person 
can come up with, you know, the human can come up with like a creative campaign and the AI has the ability to stitch together image generation along with language generation and really bring that vision to life. And so the, again, I think the trend is not some earth shattering difference in like, like, oh, it's some new thing that we haven't thought about. I think it's the pieces, you know, the puzzle pieces are kind of out there and the race is on for who can stitch them together and build the infrastructure to actually make them usable um, by, you know, maybe even a non-technical person. I think a lot of the best marketers probably are not super technical, right? At least in terms of the creative marketers, not the, you know, like performance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. This is going to be so exciting. Kyle, if people want to check out Motive Metrics, give it a try. What's the best place for them to find that? Uh, MotiveMetrics.com. All right. And to the listener, I'll leave a link in the show notes uh, to Motive Metrics. You can go find that, check them out. Um, thank you so much again, Kyle, for coming on to the listener. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast today. Uh, make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope that you all have a fantastic rest of your day. And thanks for having me.